Well, good morning, everyone. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 35 today. Exodus chapter 35. We're going to be starting in verse 4 today. Exodus chapter 35, verse 4. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twisted linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant in- incense, and onyx stones and stones for setting, for the ephod and for the breastplate. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and its coverings, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases. The ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen. The table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence. The lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light. And the altar of incense with its poles and anointing oil and the fragrant incense. And the screen for the door at the door of the temple. The altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze. Its poles and all its utensils. The basin and its stand. The hangings of the court. Its pillars and its bases. And the screen for the gate of the court. The pegs of the tabernacle and the pegs of the court and their cords. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments for Aaron the priest. And the garments for his sons for their service as priests. This is the word of the Lord. And thanks be to God. Generosity is a lovely character trait to witness. Especially in the young. There's a story of a little girl who wanted to hear a particularly talented preacher in a church up in Philadelphia. This pastor had been preaching in this church for some time and had been grown the church to capacity. And so it was was packed so much, in fact, the little girl wasn't able to come into the service unless she was carried in and was allowed to sit on the stage next to the preacher. The preacher had announced that they were going to begin a building fund because they needed some new space. This little girl took him seriously and began saving her pennies, all 57 of them, for a few months until, unfortunately, the little girl got sick and had passed away. The church was inspired by this little girl's generosity. Even though it wasn't a lot of pennies, it was a lot to her. And they had begun seeking out some property. They found the uh, the owner of some some property who had heard the story and was so moved by her generosity, allowed the 57 cents to be the down payment in order to begin building on the land. What we see in the passage before us is the people of Israel who have been stirred To help out and help bring about God's work. He is about to come down and dwell with his people. And he could have brought his own tabernacle with him. He could have brought his own house and just beamed it down to the the end. It would have been perfect. Wouldn't have required anything. It could have been easy for him. But he wanted to get his people involved. Let's take a look at exactly what went into this tabernacle. And how these people were involved. First... We have the materials which were needed, which we have read. 
the value of, of, of the metals and fabric are ordered from the most valuable to the lesser value as it goes along. So you can see in verse 5, it talks about gold, then silver, and then bronze. And the way that this would be laid out is the things that were constructed in the temple, the closer you got to the holiest of holies, the more valuable the stones and materials were. It would be gold very close by, silver, and then bronze as you went back. Same thing with the colors of fabric that we saw. For us, for, for the most part, we don't think about a blue or a purple clothing as being especially valuable. But for them, it would take a lot of money and a lot of work to be able to get these things. In fact, you would need to gather these certain kinds of worms and things out, out in the ocean that would stain the cloth. And you'd have to, you would need hundreds of them in order to be able to make a, the size of a shirt in order to turn that blue. So these would have been incredibly valuable things that God is asking for. God is not coming out to the tabernacle, coming out to his people and saying, hey, y'all, whatever you don't need currently, if you could float that by, that would be wonderful. Got some spare shirts or some spare garments, or maybe, or maybe you got a little bit of copper lying around. Maybe you could put that out. That's just as good as bronze, really, same color. God doesn't put out like that. He says, I want to, for you to bring your best. And the point of doing that is not so that when people walk into the tabernacle, they say, oh my, look at all this gold. Look at this bronze. Have you seen those curtains that God has laid up? That's not the point of bringing all these in. The point was for them to look at this gold and these cloths and say, it's like, ultimately, if these things, which are basically stones and hair, is what it all comes down to it, if, it, if those things can look this grand, Imagine who our God must be like. Imagine what our God whom we worship is supposed to be like if, all, if our eyes are dazzled by stones and cloth. Now what's even more incredible is we have to ask ourselves is where did they get this material? I don't know about you, but, the, but a group of people that have been enslaved for 400 years aren't known for their vast amounts of wealth. Slaves are barely allowed to own anything, much less have all this gold and clothing. Where did they get all of this stuff from? And the answer is, is that they got it, well, from the Egyptians, but ultimately from God. If you remember way back when we were studying the early chapters of Exodus, when God brings about all the plagues of the Egyptians, or uh, all the plagues to the Egyptians, excuse me, and as they're on their way out, the tenth plague has struck, and Pharaoh says, just leave. Just get out of here. That God stirred up the hearts of the Egyptians to give them these treasures as they went and plundered the Egyptians, as it says earlier on in Exodus. So everything that God is asking them to bring is something that he has already given to them at some point. Every, fle every flake of gold is from God's own hand. Every seam of clothing is from God's provision. And he asks them for that. Now, not everybody has gold, so he asks them to bring the silver. Not everybody has silver, so he asks them to bring bronze. But what about those that don't really have much of anything to give? Maybe they were in the back of the line on the way out of Egypt, and they didn't, and they didn't get all of their neighbor's gold. But what they did have was skill. That's the next thing that we look at. We see all of the fine things that he asks them to bring in verses 4 through 9. 
And then he picks up in verse 10, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded. Having piles of gold and wonderful fine fabrics is wonderful, but if you don't have anybody to put it together, to sew those fabrics into curtains or to form that gold into an altar, then it's just a pile of stones and rock. You need to have these these skilled craftsmen to come. God needs both. God is asking for both. Now, what do both of these groups have in common is that all of their possessions and all of their skills even come from God and that they were to use the best for that. Now, how does this happen amongst these people? If we've learned anything from the Israelites, we know that this group is not the most patient. This has not been the most faithful group of people that we've ever seen. Moses has come down and he has given these commands before in chapter 25, but we, haven't, we have not seen one building proposal at this point. Moses didn't even present them with a PowerPoint presentation to describe to them how their money was to be used. No committee was formed. He simply says, God wants you to give of your treasures. And they do. Emptying out their retirement accounts, as it were, and giving to the Lord. How does this happen when a group that not two chapters ago, three chapters ago, was gathering a collection of gold to dance around a golden calf and worship it? These were the same people who just several chapters ago were complaining that God was going to kill them out in the wilderness from lack of food and water. How is it that these people are able to go from complaining and hoping that they could find someone else to worship and follow to someone that they are willing to give of their money so much so that if you actually go into chapter 36, which we won't be able to get to today, but in about verse 4 or so, Moses actually has to tell the people to stop bringing stuff. He says, please don't bring any more gold or fabrics. We have more than we know what to do with in chapter 36. Well, this happens because something has been done in the people. Let's take a look at verse, starting in verse 20. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses after they've just heard what they need to bring. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all of its service and for the holy garments. And then it says, and they came and they were of willing heart brought all that God had asked for This is a heart that's been transformed. This is a heart that has been stirred and moved, and the only way that that can happen is through a work of God. I can't help but also wonder as maybe as they were caught dancing around their idols and seeing Moses coming down and saying, I'm going to need to go up and we're going to need to work this out. Maybe they heard Moses saying, God was ready to destroy you over that. He had every reason to. But he spared you. His love is everlasting towards you. He's forgiven you. Now he wants you to do something. 
Well, I can imagine they wouldn't need a building plan after that. They wouldn't need a PowerPoint presentation. They wouldn't need a committee to be told, hey, this is something that your God, who had every reason to destroy you, has now wants to bless you. This is a heart that has been changed. A heart that's been filled with gratitude, which translates into generosity. Now, how does this apply to us when we look at this passage? Because right now, we're not trying to build a new church building. Right now, we're not in a desert. But God is still doing things in his world. We still have a lot in common with the Israelites. In fact, we have an incredibly faithful God who has blessed both the Israelites beyond what they could have possibly asked or thought and has blessed us beyond what we can possibly ask or think. The Israelites, they got to see the glory of the Lord fill the tabernacle and later the temple. But we've had the opportunity through the lens of Scripture to see the glory of the Lord dwell in flesh, to come and live among us as one of us, and not only live but die. We have seen God do amazing things. And while we may not have spent our time dancing around a golden calf recently, we've spent plenty of time trying to pursue other things beyond what our God tells us to. We've had plenty of, God, we have given God every opportunity. If we weren't in Christ, we'd have every opportunity for God to walk away. But he doesn't. He's promised to stay with us. That should be a heart that should be transformed. That would then translate into generosity. Now we can look at this passage and say, it's like, okay, well then it seems like the, the, the most likely response to this passage is says, like, all right, well then I should give to the Lord. Then I should, I, should start, I should start tithing. That's what they're doing, right? It's actually not. These folks here in this passage are not tithing. In fact, I know that because we can look down at the end of our, well, close to the end of our chapter, verse 29. All the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. Unlike their Pharaoh, which they had served for hundreds of years, who commanded them to build, their, build his great buildings with the crack of a whip, the Lord asked them to build his tabernacle out of what they wanted to bring. This was a free will offering that's just built right in there. It's given of their free will, what they wanted to do. This is part of the reason why I've been saying the last few weeks when, I, when I've been talking about in our prayer to bring God's tithes and our offerings. God's tithes, as we heard earlier, is something that God has already commanded to bring. In fact, if we were to look in later into the Old Testament, God has set out a whole system of tithes for the Old Testament saints. And they were actually would have been closer to 20 to 30% of their income by the time you added them all together. What we have is a tenth. We see that later on in Matthew. But this would be them bringing an offering to God, something beyond what... God has commanded them to bring in. This is something that is being offered out of a grateful heart. And 
what we think about, as we have already heard in our children's sermon, when God asks for a tithe and he's asking for 10%, he's letting us keep 90 This 10% is saying, it's just like, all right, well, this first bit of my income, this has your name already on it. But if we think about it, as we've already heard, our entire lives have God's name on it. Just like the Israelites here, every bit of their treasure has been given to them. And every bit of our treasure has been given to us as well. As much as this country has told us about how we can build our own wealth and we go out and pull ourselves up by our by our bootstraps, it's wonderful to preach responsibility, but at the end of the day, this is still something that we're given. We still have been given tremendous privilege for everything that we possess, including the skills that we've spent many hours developing. It's all been given to us. So the fact that God lets us steward these things is a gift. Honestly, the tithe is very generous of God to us. That he could give us this much. If you can look at it this way, that a tithe is an opportunity to show that we believe and trust God. Giving up 10% of your income is no small hit. But it shows that we trust our God when we say, it's like, you have commanded that I bring this to you. And you have presumably given me enough so that I can do that. And then an offering is showing more. It's just like, I've had a heart that's been transformed. I've seen what God has done for me and looking around at my life. And any offering that I give beyond that is a love gift. Does it have to look like everybody else's? No. If you're able to look at me and say, it's like, here is my budget. I have not a dime more other than 10%. That's what some of the cases we're here with this people. Some of these folks, they didn't have a flake of gold. But they had skill. They had things that they could bring to show, hey, this is what I want to offer to God. If that's your situation, please come talk to us. There are things that we could do. There's lots of opportunities to give to the Lord and show that there has been gratitude that's been made in your heart. Now, maybe if you're already tithing, that's wonderful. You're doing as God commands. But if you want to exhibit the generous spirit that's at work here in these passages, might I suggest a donation to Faith Promise? This is something that we'll be talking about more as we enter into our um, time of the missions conference. But this would be an opportunity to give above and beyond the tithe and say, this is, the Lord has blessed me with a lot. So I want to give some beyond that tithe to these people who are going to, 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 our, to our missionaries and those that are serving the Lord full time. I've never met somebody who wanted a refund from God for what they've given. But as difficult as these conversations often are to have, because we've often looked at a chance to to view our finances as something private, as something that we don't want discussed with other people. This is a hard conversation to have. But maybe let me lighten it by giving you this final encouragement. The point of tithing and the point of giving a free will offering is not so it's done out of guilt. My point is not to say it's just like, oh, well, I see so-and-so is giving up these money. I mean, these kids are willing to throw in money in, um, into the plate. I guess I ought to give something. You know, the Lord loves a generous giver. It's the heart that God's after. 
But giving to God will often mean receiving from him. Not in the way that we see these prosperity preachers up there saying, you give $100 and God gives 1000 God does not promise that. It's not in here. If you want that, invest in a mutual fund. You know, God is not, into, is, is, is not always into monetary returns. But he does promise to take care of your needs. And there have been chances for God to do wonderful things that we would not otherwise see without taking that step of obedience. The youth and I, we were talking about Daniel and the lion's den last Wednesday. And we were going through possibilities of what would be some things of how does Daniel get out of the situation that he's in. He's been told that if he prays at any point during the next 30 days that he'd be headed to the den of lions. And I asked our youth, it's just like, what are some other ways he could have done this? He could have just not prayed. Or just not pray in front of the window. But what he, if he had done that, there would have been the loss, of, as well as being disobedient, he, there would have been a loss of opportunity to show, it's like, but God shuts the mouths of lions. In the same way, if we're to say, it's just like, well, no, I really can't trust God with the 10% of my income. I'm going to hold that back. All right, you can have 10% of your income, but you might miss something else that God is doing with that. An opportunity to show how he has provided for you. It's a scary place to think. It's a scary, uh, it's a scary thought to think. It's like, well, all right, I'm going to step out and hope that God's going to do this. But he does command to take care of us. There might not be a ton for eating out. Might not be a ton of extra money lying around. But he gives us something much more valuable than that. He gives us a glimpse into himself, a chance to see who he is. Now, maybe you're saying, it's like, all right, I hear what you're saying, but buddy, my heart's not there. I got a lot of stuff that I like. I like my finances the way that they are. I understand. I hear you. This is a struggle for my heart, too. I'm going to be real with you for a second. Asking to give up more of your money is, is, is looking at me and say, give up some of your security. That helps reveal kind of where my heart is. If I need that changed, I need, I need a heart transplant. And ultimately, only that can come from Jesus. If it's to say, it's like, I want a more generous heart. I want to not have to look at these green pieces of paper and saying, that is my salvation. Then I ask you to look to the cross and say, that's where your salvation is. Look to him and have, his, and have your heart transformed by his work. Ask him. Saying, Lord, I need a more generous heart. Help me to see that. And while you're doing that, start taking account of all the things that God has given to you. And seeing, letting that gratitude fill your heart and generosity will fill it as well. But a generous heart is evidence of a grateful heart. So what's our takeaway from this whole passage? To put it down into a sentence. Our life takeaway is giving to God out of a willing heart is evidence of a changed heart. And that willing heart is set up to receive a greater view of God. So again, in giving to God out of a willing heart is evidenced of a changed heart, a grateful heart. And that willing and grateful heart is set up to receive a greater view of God.
That's something that you can't get at any store. That's something that no matter how high the bank account gets, no one is ever going to trade a greater view of God for those that have truly seen it for a few more numbers in their account. I urge you, not out of guilt, not out of desperate need, but out of invitation. Come and see who your God is. And if that means pushing some stuff out of the way so you can see him better, do so. You won't regret it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all of your gifts that you give to us. Lord, it goes beyond the material. But Lord, the spiritual gifts you've given us as well. Lord, for forgiveness of sins. Lord, for our families. You have given so much to us. Lord, the cross and how you have paid the debt, all of it, for us. Lord, I ask that as we go from this day that you would stir our hearts to be generous and that we would bring anything that you need, anything that is needed for your work, that we would do it. And it's in Jesus' name that I ask these things. Amen.